all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. You're listening to a podcast of Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Relatively Speaking, the show all about you and your family. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Men are considered the strongest sex in general, but in medical terms, it's a very different story. When it comes to health, women live longer and stay healthier. The life expectancy gap has remained the same in the last 100 years. Some call it the John Wayne syndrome, tough it out. How can we change that perception, taking care of your health and showing that it's not a sign of weakness? Let's talk about what's going on in your life. You can share your comments and experiences with us this morning by calling one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 You can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. This is Relatively Speaking from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Good morning, and thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and today we're talking about men's health. Do men care less about their health? So in general, men are considered the stronger sex, right? But in medical terms, it's really a different story. When it comes to health, women live longer and generally stay healthier. The life expectancy gap has remained really the same for the last hundred years. Some call it the John Wayne syndrome, just tough it out. Well, how can we change the perception that taking care of your health is somehow a sign of weakness? Today, we're going to talk a little bit about the statistics behind things, not too much, but to talk about that. So I want you to join in, uh, men and women. I want to hear your thoughts. What do you think about that? Do you think that that's real? Do you think that perhaps men aren't given the chance to take care of their health, or do you think they're resistant? Give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. I want to tell you a little story. As I was um, preparing for the show, I ran across an incident that was reported in the Wall Street Journal pointing out sort of the that tough man perception. In the 1960s, when Muhammad Ali, the famous boxer, was a brash, fearless boxing sensation, he was still known as Cassius Clay back then. He boarded an airplane to fly to a big fight that he was doing, and while he was preparing for the takeoff, 
the flight attendants noticed that he had not fastened his seatbelt. So, of course, she went by and she said, you need to buckle up. And he ignored her. And when she walked by and she asked again, he replied, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And her retort was, Superman don't need no airplane. Buckle up. And he did. (laughs) I thought that was a great one. Um, But it's an example of how sometimes um, I think... Some men were taught that if you do anything to take care of yourself, protect yourself, perhaps it's a sign of weakness. Women, um, particularly those who live in wealthy countries like the U.S., though, are outliving men um, and outliving men around the world, according to the World Health. Um, Association, um, who the World Health uh, Association statistics uh, reported in April of 2019 that health disparities by sex are clearly there. It's the first time they'd ever um, reported it like this. Um, And and they noted that although, although the overall life expectancy globally has increased from 66 to 72 years since 2000, probably in part due to health screenings, better technology, and all of that. Um, Women still outlive men by about five years. So why is that? That's tough, right? Um, So on that, without going into any more statistics, uh, I wanted us to talk a little bit more in depth about this. Obviously, you all know I am not a man, so I am happy and delighted to have two men to help us navigate through this topic that really often doesn't get enough attention. If you look at it, how many articles are written on this topic? Not that many, uh, if you look at the attention that other health issues are given. So, Uh, Today I have Kevin Farrell, who many of you know as producer and host of several shows here at MPB and has been here for a lot of years. Thanks, Kevin, for being here with us. Sure. Glad to help out. And then I have Dr. Dick Wardrop, who is a professor and vice chair for education and faculty development in the Department of Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Welcome, Dick. Good to have you. Thanks very much. Very grateful to be here today and to share this with y'all. Yeah. Well, you are a bit of a transplant, right? (laughs) Uh, You've only been in the state for a few months, huh? That is correct. That's why I had to get the y'all in there. You did good. That was great. Proud of you. Tell tell us before we get started a little bit about yourself. Sure. I grew up in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and uh, went to college in Virginia, and that's the first time I was in the South. Um, And then did my medical school at The Ohio State uh, University. Also got my Ph.D. while I was there, and then did my training in internal medicine and pediatrics at University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. And so uh, throughout my career, I've been progressively searching for, um, I guess, life in the deeper south. And so was recruited to come here to University of Mississippi Medical Center um, uh, to be in an educational and leadership position, but also to provide patient care. Yeah. was really attracted um, to coming to Mississippi, actually, because of the mission of the medical center and of our department specifically in education and patient care. Yeah. Yeah. Well, welcome. And thanks for joining us today. So um, I'd just like 
to go ahead and start off, do you believe that some of the issues that we are experiencing with the gender gap as far as longevity has something to do with guys just feeling tough and afraid? I, I do. I think that that is definitely part of what um, the stereotype would predict, that um, men are you know, feeling like, oh, it has to be really bad. Uh, whatever it is I'm experiencing has to be really bad before I'm willing to go get help. And that that's probably deep-seated and has many answers. But if you look at um, the actual behaviors of men, they're much less likely to go to a primary care physician. They are much less likely to seek help, help for some sort of psychiatric illness or uh, difficulty that they're having in their life. If you look at the top 15 uh, mortality diagnoses, um, men are leading the way in um, suffering um, death from, from those early, right. earlier right. than women. And so I think when you see those um, uh, sort of lack of uh, preventative or help-seeking behaviors on the front end, and on the back end you see, you know, hopefully um, something that can be prevented, um, the end result by, you know, dying from a specific disease, uh, whether it be suicide or heart disease or diabetes, um, that raises the question that uh, some of this could be prevented if we could um, sort of a culture uh, men to at least be aware of this and providers to be aware of this so that we can um, get people in earlier and to right. avoid that delay. Right. I know one of the most frustrating things for me, I'm, I'm in the older sect and, and it's having um, friends have something discovered uh, late when uh, the survival for them might have been much better had it been discovered much earlier. Um, Kevin, you're in the non-medical world. Do you do you have some insight to way to how maybe men are thinking about this? Do you think that um, sometimes you might have felt accessing healthcare might have been a sign of weakness? Um, I don't. I'm not sure if it weaknesses. I. I guess it was in my case. I was trying to think back as we started the show here, and um, I remember clearly. I think I was probably in my mid thirties. Had gone to upstate New York to visit my parents, and I think my mom asked something like, "Well, what was your blood pressure last time you got it checked?" And I'm like, "I've never gotten it checked." Oh, you don't go regularly to, right. and so I didn't. And I, I just. I think I just didn't think I I needed to. I don't. I, right. So I don't know if it was necessarily. A, I guess that's maybe a sign of weakness, but it was sort of uh, blissful ignorance. I guess maybe. Yeah. Maybe maybe as as parents we don't promote it as well as we should. You know, one issue when you're looking at women in healthcare. Uh, women of childbearing age are, you know, told repeatedly, go get that pap smear, go get that mammogram when you get to be a certain age, go have those routine checkups. And I know for many, many years, women in general didn't have a primary care provider other than their OBGYN. Um, and so, but at least they were going yearly for a checkup. Men didn't have quite the same push. And at thinking back, um, I remember even as a young child, my mother would go to the doctor. My father wouldn't. And a lot of it had to do with she had eight kids. You know, she was always going to the doctor. Um, but... I, I guess it's just been a pattern that's been set for a very long time. Um, 
I want to turn back to, you know, some people think, well, men just, um, there's so many reasons why perhaps men don't live as long. Um, testosterone has been implicated in the past as one of those ideologic issues. But, uh, you know, in my recent reading on this, it seems that that's probably less so a factor than people originally thought. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah. The other thing, too, is that if you, um, the, the stress of, of work, for example, is another issue that's come out. And, and I'd like to I'd, I'd like to hear from our callers about this, too. So, you know, men are more stressed because they live in these high-pressure jobs. Women are not as stressed or have not in the, been as stressed in the past uh, because they don't have such high-pressure jobs. That's what's said. But is that really true? Women often are the primary caretakers at home. Many times, if they do work outside of the home, and many, many do now, um, probably well over, I'm not sure about the statistic on this, how many women work outside the home, but I'm sure it's well over 60% now who work outside the home. So they continue to also try to juggle that and have stress. And many, many women who are single parents also have the stress of all of the above on top of them. So um, do you think... Is it the added stress, or is it um, just that men are not taking as good a care of themselves? Callers, I I want you to give us a call. We're going to take our first break, Um, but give us a call. We have open lines. Join in the conversation. Tell us what you think at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-672. 7464, or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. We're talking about men's health. Um, why do they die soon? Give us a call. Let us hear from you. We'll be right back. Stay up to date by logging on to our website at mpbonline.org or use your mobile device and download our MPB public media app. This is MPB Think Radio, where Mississippi is our mission. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Relatively Speaking. Thanks for listening. We're talking today about men's health. 
We have Dr. Dick Wardrop and Kevin Farrell helping me discuss why sometimes men don't take as good a care of themselves, don't access that health care as they should. Um, we've talked about maybe a sign of weakness, but maybe not so much. Maybe it's um, just mixed messaging. Before we get to that, though, let's go on to the phones. We have Preston in Biloxi, Mississippi. Hi, Preston. Thanks for calling. Good morning. How are you? Great. Tell us what your thoughts are about this topic. Well, you hit up on something that I think is so true. Uh, for females, when they're younger, they are taught to go see their OBGYN, and that turns into a lifelong, you know, uh, uh relationship with that doctor they're used to going they know to go i know with guys sometimes after you get out of high school and maybe college if you don't have to have physicals to play certain sports or do certain things you kind of just like wait you know i'm okay right something happens then you decide to go to a doctor but i think that men really don't take preventative maintenance as seriously or as as routinely as females do because like i said at that point you know who do we see we go see the doctors when we play football to get physical and everything gets checked over, you know, once a year. Then when you're out of college, it's kind of like you're on your own. And as long as it's working, everything's okay. Right. You know, not until you have a problem that you really seek the attention that you need. And some of the things can be prevented. You know, I heard you mention about the blood pressure. I didn't know I had a blood pressure problem until I woke up and I wasn't feeling well. And my wife was like, look, you need to go to the doctor. Right. And that's when he told me, hey, you, your blood pressure is through the roof. You don't. You have uncontrolled blood pressure at this point. I never would have went if she wouldn't have pushed me. I just would have kept saying I had a, I have a headache. You know, Preston. We just don't know how to take care of ourselves. Yeah, and and you know, Preston, uh, Doctor Wardrop was just talking about that and said, I, I want you to repeat. Uh, during break, we were we were talking about perhaps the medical community has somewhat been at fault. And why don't you talk to Preston and our listening audience about that very thing? Certainly, thank you. So. Um, I'm also a pediatrician, and, and uh, as part of that, you know, I, I certainly agree and um, completely with the sentiment that, um, you know, for teenage boys, for instance, the only time they really go to their pediatrician, uh, for the most part, is for sports physicals. And so right. that's a great opportunity to have maintenance, to give anticipatory guidance, whether it's talking about wearing bicycle helmets or seatbelts or, or sunscreen, whatever. Uh, we also screen for, you know, mental health disorders as well as substance misuse disorders in teenagers. But then there's this uh, miraculous disappearance uh, for many um, men and women, uh, young men and young women. But there is that tie-in then if a young woman is going to be going to an OBGYN for birth control or for other uh, just regular checkups, if that habit is established, they're likely to keep going. And right. so um, for a young man, maybe of college age, for instance, you're not going to go to the doctor for any reason unless you really need to. And, and that, that is an opportunity lost for many of us. And so I think adolescent specialists and pediatricians and even internists who are, or family medicine doctors who are willing, you know, wanting to take care of young men, we just see like a, a, a vacuousness around those patients being on our templates. So we, we don't really get a chance to interact with them at a time when we could do effective anticipatory guidance, I think, yeah. whether that be around immunizations or other safe measures. Yeah, Kevin, you had mentioned also that um, age had had perhaps given you a little more insight into the health. Why don't you mention when it occurred to you that 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 
follow-up for your health care might be a good idea. Well, I will say that I did kind of give a wake-up call. I mentioned earlier about the, you know, when did you get your blood pressure checked? And right. the funny story, <clears throat> both my mom and dad were have a nursing background, and so I was visiting, so we went home, and they had the little cuff, um, and they did my blood pressure. But as it turns out, they had the cuff on upside down, so I had some awful, like, oh, my gosh, you, you need to immediately get this checked. <laughs> Anyway, uh, since that time, I have gone and tried to do at least, you know, my annual checkup. So I've gotten a little bit better about it. But then I started thinking to myself again is earlier this summer, I had a thing where I was playing tennis and got some sort of I don't think it was a pinched nerve, but something was wrong. And I had this awful pain in my arm and my shoulder uh, for about a month. And I, I did not go to the doctor. Uh, it eventually went away on its own, and I guess that's probably bad in this case because you think, oh, well, if you just let it alone, it'll cure itself. But um, but as I have gotten older, I've become more aware of you know the need for that sort of thing. Uh, Dr. Jimmy, who does the Wednesday Southern Remedy, mentioned the shingles vaccine uh, the other day, mm-hmm. and when he said – you know, you've had if you because I always thought if you had shingles, you didn't need to get the shingles vaccine. Uh, but when he mentioned that it's actually because the virus is still in your body, you do need to get exactly. it. And mentioned some of the, uh, the you know what it, how bad that it can be. I, I I went ahead and I did get the shingles vaccine. So I think as I've gotten older, maybe maybe we're all aware that as we're getting older, you know, our life cycle is coming near an end, and so it's it's sort of a natural thing to say, hey, maybe let me do a better job of you know, kind of preserving the time I have left. Right. I think that for forever medicine was involved in all the sexy life-saving stuff. You know, it was learn how to save people. If they got pneumonia, treat it. If they got cancer, know how to treat it and do your best. If they got... Um, COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, come up with a better treatment for it. When in the reality of it, if we would start, like you mentioned, in childhood and do good preventive care and take better care of ourselves, we wouldn't have to be treating all this diabetes and chronic obstructive pulmonary disease and um, these heart attacks. We could probably prevent a lot of it, right? Absolutely. And I think Oftentimes, um, we could probably um, just open those conversations a little bit more easily and, and learn to have difficult conversations because a lot of times when people will go to the doctor and they maybe get some anticipatory guidance that they don't particularly like, maybe they're a few pounds overweight, maybe they smoke, um, maybe they don't exercise. And so that tendency to um, sort of shy away from those kinds of interactions, I think, is human nature. And so um, without that... Um, real relationship over time, it's easier for someone that you've seen over the years to receive that information from them as a healthcare professional than maybe someone you go to when you're, you have a cold or, you know, you break an arm and they say, oh, by the way, you need to stop smoking, lose weight and change your complete lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and, you know, for, for most people, it, it's overwhelming to hear that you need to change your entire life. So, Perhaps we need to do a better job of teaching people baby steps, um, one step at a time. Where can you start? Maybe to help yourself out. Um, so, listeners, my question to you is, do you feel like there's a barrier that has perhaps stopped you or your your significant other, who's a man, into going in for health care? Um, is it? Is it? money? Or is it the fact that it's difficult to find a 
primary care provider or know who to go to. I think Kevin mentioned earlier in the show that sometimes it's hard to know even who you go to if you're having an issue. Does everybody need a primary care provider? I can tell you the answer is yes. Um, But what is that? What is a primary care provider? Um, Do you have, listeners, some good experiences with your primary care provider? And did something good happen to you because you went in just for a checkup? I want to hear your story. You can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's 877-672-7464. Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. You know, I, I think there's a lot of truth in my case of the whole kind of afraid what you're going to find out thing because mm-hmm. I'm not in I'm average health. I'm overweight and that sort of thing. And so a lot of times, and again, with the blood pressure, you're like, my white coat hypertension came because I was afraid to see what my blood pressure was going to be. <laughs> and so there's that reluctance to ghost right. because it's, gosh, gosh, you know, what's going to happen? That thing I will say is this, is that um, I had a, a, a primary care physician. He did a good job on my annual checkup. You know, we'd go through the, some things. He'd ask questions, did kind of a, a, a bit of a, a physical examination. Eventually he changed and I had a, a female, uh, a, a licensed nurse practitioner. And the funniest thing was the first year she actually came over and she grabbed my hand and she started actually physically touching me in an examination and mm-hmm. I first I, f- I freaked out like, oh my gosh and then I thought well no that's her job she's right. supposed to be and so I, d- I developed more of a trust with her than I had with the previous and not to say he did wrong or whatever but I think that's important because if you if if as a healthcare provider you get that trust between you and your patient that you're more likely to get the the real story and that and then people won't be afraid or reluctant to say i'm this is wrong or i didn't you know i've i've, I've come off the diet i haven't eaten like i should have and so she she and i developed a, a really a greater trust and I, I felt much more comfortable going but not only going but sharing while i was there Absolutely. Uh, And I think that is one of the issues that I've heard before is people noting that, you know, they don't have a doctor who listens. They don't have good rapport with someone. And that's, to me, that's very, very important. And I encourage family and friends, if you have someone who is not serving you well, you are the customer. You are the customer, and so you you should get the service that you want. If they are not listening to you, then you need to find another doc who will. Agreed? I totally agree. I mean, we as human beings, and even you know, physicians as patients too, we we need relationships. Um, that that is that is a big part of our professional identity formation is is uh, practitioners and as physicians as well is to learn how to make these relationships be be fruitful and earn patient trust. And I think that that is something that with, you know, our ever uh, increasing demands on our time, seeing more patients per day, the electronic medical record, many things in payment uh, have, have eroded that relationship right. significantly. Um, and that's something that we need to really take back as, as physicians. Right. Right. Well, let's go back to the phones. We have Josh somewhere in Alabama. Hi, Josh. Thanks for calling. Hey, thank you, guys. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I was going to comment uh, about men and, and, and getting doctors. So I'm 33 and uh, recently uh, decided, okay, I'm getting older. I need to have uh, a, a primary care physician. And so 
uh, doing some searching, I tried to find the youngest guy possible or gal. <laughs> didn't matter. The youngest doctor possible in my town uh, because I felt that they would be uh, more uh, up to date on technology and um, just how medicine's changed over the years. Um, and my first experience, I was a little disappointed because the uh, first thing he did was send me to um, uh, a specialist. And I'm like, oh, I came to you. Uh-huh. And, uh, um, you have to realize nowadays that um, there may be symptoms that that um, you have that your primary care physician can, can kind of diagnose, but to, to kind of give you a treatment plan for that. Uh, maybe something that uh, they don't do very often or not experienced with, so they send you to the specialist. And so I think we lose a little bit of confidence in our primary care physicians when that happens because we just want uh, – we're simple-minded uh, guys, or guys are simple-minded, so we want to go one place <laughs> and be taken care of, and that's it. Like, tell me what I need and let me go back to business as normal. And so uh, yeah. I think we get a little frustrated with that, but you have to have patience when it comes to health. Josh, you brought up a point that has been one of those issues for me um, of frustration, and I'm hearing you. I I am an older physician, and so in practice for 30 years. And when I began my practice as a general pediatrician many years ago, we did everything. We sutured, we treated any kind of GI ailment, we treated whatever asthma was out there, and most of the cardiology issues that were out there until it got beyond our scope of practice. And so one thing that we have gotten into over the years, and I see Dr. Wardrop uh, nodding, is is sometimes getting a little too subspecialized, and the generalists are just um, superficial generalists. And I think there's been a big push to move back to the center from that. So you should be able to expect that a physician will be able to manage the basic problem in almost any area. Wouldn't you agree? So there there are specialty differences, I think, also as regional training differences mm-hmm. that come into play. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm an internist, um, which is not being an intern, but a, a general internal medicine doctor. I trained right. in internal medicine. Um, but even in amongst our specialty, I think there's a wide practice variation as far as, you know, referring people for uh, subspecialty consultation or referring to uh, a hospital for imaging if they don't have it in their own shop, for instance. So, um, however, there is a general, um, and this is something we talk about in our professional circles, especially in groups like the American College of Physicians, really taking back that um, expertise mm-hmm. uh, that we um, uh, that patients want for us to have and a confidence that patients need us to have to be able to take the best care of them as possible. And sometimes that involves dealing with a little bit of uncertainty with the patient and maybe even admitting that to the patient that, hey, you know, I don't know exactly what's going on, but I'm in this with you. We're going to get through this together. I might need you to send and see somebody else, but I think for right now we can right. do this, that, and the other and get you through this. Yeah. So having those conversations and taking that time and really signposting that I think is really important. So, 
Right. Um, Josh, one other um, thing as docs now, one, one good thing that has changed is we are all required to have a certain number of continuing medical education hours to keep up our board certification, to also keep up our licensure in most states now. And so um, hopefully even the docs who've been out for 20 or 30 years are keeping up. I know the majority that I know. Uh, do so you can have confidence in those young docs or those older docs um, I would uh, check up and make sure that your doc is board certified in their area because that tells you that they are continuing their education because it should never stop right right Okay, I know we need to go to our next break. I'm getting that signal, but I also want to hear... Josh, thanks for calling, by the way. Thanks so much. Um, I also want to hear from women about their significant uh, men in their lives, their dads, their spouses, their boyfriends. Um, Have you tried to work toward getting that person into the dock? If you have and not been successful, give us a call. Maybe we can talk through it. Or uh, tell us um, how you were able to make a difference. Um, Call us, 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. We'll be right back. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back, and thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and I'm here with Dr. Dick Waldrop and Kevin Farrell. We're talking about men's health. Um, How can we make sure that the men in our lives take better care of themselves so that they can live as long as women? Um, The health gap is still there. It's still the same it was 100 years ago. That's got to change, and it can. It's not all about the fact that men are the weaker sex. It means that perhaps they need to take better care of themselves. So we're going to work on that today. We have some open lines. I want you to give us a call and put your two cents in at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's 877-672-7464. You can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. We're going to go back on to the phones. I asked for a woman to call, and Nicole has called in from Petal. Hi, Nicole. Hi. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for calling. I just, I had a comment. Um, I have struggled with getting my husband to the doctor for a physical for years. Mm -hmm. He has good insurance. It's not a money thing. It would cover the well check. Um, But he went one time for a physical about five years ago, and I guess they recommended some things that he do, um, expensive things. Like they told him he needed an ultrasound maybe on something, and there was something else, and he followed those recommendations. And he ended up not needing any of those things. So we paid a lot of money for the things that were recommended and didn't need them. 
And ever since that happened, he will not go back because he's convinced that the doctor is just going to tell him that he needs more stuff done, I guess, if that makes sense. So I, if you, I'm, I'm glad you're on today, so maybe I can get more tips to convince him to go. But um, Isn't that's, that funny? Why, that's what keeps yeah. him from getting. Yeah, Nicole, you are bringing up something that we need to hear. Thank you so much. Because yes, as, as I brought up earlier, preventive medicine is what we need to be doing. Um, doing the things to take a look at what needs to be checked that perhaps are one of those common issues that we know appear at certain ages and making sure that it hasn't appeared. I know right. you want to make a comment, Dr. Wardrop. Go ahead. Yeah, so that I'm really sorry that he had that experience. Um, that is not an uncommon experience where people go to the doctor and they end up getting this huge bill from a bunch of stuff that ends up in retrospect not being um, necessary. That is a problem in healthcare that crosses specialties, that crosses um, all aspects of healthcare, whether it be testing, diagnosing, or treating uh, certain things. Um, and so uh, an important thing to know is to know that we're working on that as a profession. Um, there are resources available for patients. Uh, the Choosing Wisely campaign, for instance, is put on through the American Board of Internal Medicine Foundation, and that is a set of guidelines. I think there's between 70 and 75 different specialty guidelines about the things that every patient should question that their doctor asks them to do. Some things are common, some things are not. And so there may be an opportunity there for the next time that he does go is to start a conversation around some of our evidence-based guidelines about what's necessary and what's not. Um, and that is something that um, I think will increase his engagement, his, your, your husband's engagement in his health care as well, is becoming knowledgeable and what's being recommended and, and really having a, a role in saying whether that's something that needs to be done or not. I right. think that patients need to question that. Yeah. Yeah, I know when I go and for my checkups, I have a regular mammogram now. Um, I have a sister who has a history of breast cancer, and she's a breast cancer survivor. So, of course, I'm very uh, fastidious about going in and being checked for that. Uh, and the tests are luckily always negative, and that's good news. So, you know, of course, now, again, you want to make sure that the tests that are being ordered are appropriate. Now, most preventive care um, tests that docs order should be covered, right? That is that is correct uh, by most insurance and of course Medicare and you know oftentimes Medicaid as well, depending on your on your insurance company if mm. you have insurance, whether it's Medicaid, Medicare, or uh, private, private insurance. insurance. Um, most most will agree on what should be covered if it's if it's preventative or if it's appropriate screening. Um, and so depending on um, depending on your age, depending on um, where you live, sometimes that can be slightly different from state to state, but um, most evidence-based, guideline-based screening, at least, will, right. will be covered. Yeah, and Nicole, one other issue that I want to mention is that um, I think it's okay when you go in um, as a consumer to say, is this test covered? Mm -hmm. Because if the test is typically not covered, then it may mean that there's not medical necessity for it. Oh, so, okay. 
Um, it And again, you know, it's okay to ask questions. I think so many times people go in and feel like the doctor is sort of the last say. It's okay to ask questions. You want to have right. a provider that you trust, but at the same time, make sure you understand what you're what you're participating in. And I know, Kevin, you had a a thought. When my experience, again, it was a a thing where I'd gone and the doctor had recommended, I think it was an MRI or or several procedures that were a little bit expensive. I felt that he he didn't even seem to acknowledge or understand my reluctance partly due on the price of the procedure. So to me, if there had been at least some you know, discussion about, yeah, I see where you're coming from, but I think this is important, you know, somewhere along those lines, something like that. Also, I will say, uh, it it, it gets covered by insurance, but you got to meet the deductible first. So (laughs) that's correct. And that's part of, and I'll, I'll readily admit that part of my reluctance sometimes is, is the cost of, of medical care. And I'm, you know, I'm not sure what we can do about that, but that sometimes is one of the things that I've got to try to overcome, you know, to get, uh, to follow up or to get, you know, medical uh, care. Yeah. And I, I, again, if we could make sure that preventive medicine was covered for everybody completely, people wouldn't worry about the things that you're talking about. And that way we could perhaps uh, prevent people getting to a point to waiting until they already had diabetes or they were already having, um, they already had prostate cancer that was too far along or they already had some other issue. So, um, Nicole, thanks for that. I hope we helped you think through that. But I would encourage you to get your husband back for a checkup and then to arm him with those questions that we were just talking about and Dr. Wadrup was talking about. Is there something we could put on maybe on um, online? Uh, certainly links to the Choosing Wisely campaign. Okay, um, those Perfect. are Thank re- you. Yeah, really good, um, well-vetted resources for patients and for physicians. Um, and there's there's other resources around high value care is one of the one of the terms that many professional societies have put out around what their value based statements are. Great. Great. All right. Thanks, Nicole. Well, I know it's time for us to go to our next break, our final break. We still have open lines. We'd love to hear from more of you about perhaps your stories of early discovery that were helpful or perhaps questions about insurance coverage and that kind of thing. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring that's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. This is relatively speaking. We'll be right back. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 
once in my life. It's gonna feel real good. Gonna make a difference. Gonna Welcome back. This right. is Relatively Speaking. We appreciate you staying with us. We're talking about men's health. What we need to do to make it better, make men live as long as women do. Um, there, there are many things we can do, but one of them in particular is make sure that you participate in preventive care. Um, early discovery of that high blood pressure, early discovery of that high cholesterol so that you can do something about it and not need expensive health care later on. Um, we still have time for another caller. You can call us at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's 877-672-7464. But we're going to go right on back to the lines. We have Wade in Natchez. Hi, Wade. Thanks for calling. How are you? Great. How are you doing today? Good. Tell us what uh, your thoughts are. Yeah, I wanted to comment. Years ago, it was, it was a bit of sticker shock, but... Um, the company I was working for was going through a, a big merge about 13 years ago, and I was in my early 40s, so and I was in very good health, very good shape physically. And uh, so it was very stressful, and I was seeing my regular doctor, my regular checkup, and we were talking about things. Of course, he's very good about asking a lot of questions. And I was explaining to what was going on. And he said, well, look, let me prescribe you this, this very mild anti-anxiety uh, uh, drug. I won't say what it is, but it's just very mm-hmm. almost generic nowadays. And uh, I said, okay, you know, does it have any side effects? He said, no, it's pretty, pretty, you know, it, it's been out there for a while. So I said, okay, we did it. And I, I did it for about 90 days to help. We got through our merger, and then I quit doing quit taking it. And years, about eight or nine years later, I was renewing. Uh, well, I had my life insurance, and I was going to change companies because of, of one of the life insurance guys I was doing business with. I wanted to change this company. Anyway, went through all the questioning and uh, you know saw my uh, for uh, what he what he said might be the cost. You know how mm-hmm. they do the uh, they they work the tables based on your age and health and all that before you go get your physical exam, right? And before they request your medical records. Anyway, so we did all that. I went and got my physical exam. Everything went well. He requested my medical records. When it came back, he said, "Well, your cost is actually going to be this." I'm like, "Why?" He said, "Well, years ago you you taken this." anti-anxiety. I said, well, I haven't taken that in years. I said, well, they they view that as a hit, I guess. A pre-existing. And it was extremely dramatic in the cost. Wow. Wow. So, and then I started talking to other guys about it, and they're like, oh, yeah, don't don't ever do that. Uh, Your life insurance would be just ridiculously high. Yeah. So um, thanks for bringing that point up. And I know that has been an issue for some people. They don't want anything on their health record. Do you want to comment on that? Yeah, absolutely. So that disincentive and that almost, I mean, it's a penalty that you're taking for doing the right thing by admitting that you have a problem. I mean, first of all, I just want to say thank you for calling, but also commend you for admitting that you were having anxiety and you got the appropriate treatment for that. Because, you know, if left untreated, that can lead to any number of misuse disorders with other substances or untreated mood disorders sometimes. So I'm glad that you did that. But again, I mean, life isn't fair in that regard. It's, it seems the, you know, actuarial business, much different from the healthcare business of taking care of people. Um, But that is not an uncommon scenario. And actually amongst professionals and physicians, especially, we oftentimes, every time we renew our license, we have to check a box or not whether we've received. And so the scrutiny that people are put under um, uh, you know, there's, you may say not everybody is completely truth telling 
when they do that professionally. And so the same because tension, it's penalized, because it's penalized, or you're scrutinized, yeah. or you have to answer more questions, or be examined, or um, and so you know, I, I would like to think that we can evolve um, away from that risk modeling to think oh, it's actually riskier if you have a problem that you don't take care of and don't admit, right? Right. So um, where an insurance company may say, oh, check this box if you had a problem and you took care of it and it's no longer an issue. And then then it's a non-issue. That would be the solution. Thanks for calling, Wade. That was a good call for us to just know we need to keep that in the line of discussion. All right, let's go. We're going to stay in the lines. We have James on Highway 61 driving, I guess. Be careful. Put those put those hands both on the wheel. <laughs> All right. Uh, so uh, my comment is uh, one thing that we need to do to help people, men, including women, and also women live longer, is that we need to have doctors that can think critically uh, when there's a problem that they don't, uh, that the, there isn't a simple solution for. Uh, the situation we have now is your doctor is pretty much like a, a mechanic at the, at the auto dealer, and I love my mechanic. He does a great job, but he rolls the car in, he plugs it up to the computer, and he does what the computer tells him. Uh-huh. And as long as the computer gets the right answer, he's good. Uh, but if you there's something wrong with you, and I've had first-to-first, Post-herpetic neuralgia, which is pain following shingles for your callers, for your listeners that don't know, for nine years. And uh, doctors don't think critically about how to identify the problem, uh, find solutions. They just go through the book, here are the things we can try, and you're done. I hear you. I hear you, James. As an engineer, engineer, what I would do is I would think about uh, what might be causing this? How can I test this? Uh, could I? Are there some uh, ways? I Other can solutions? Yeah. Stimulate the skin. Stimulate the skin. Yeah, yeah, James. I hear you. I know um, you're absolutely right. Uh, I think we need to make sure that that our docs are working toward um, coming up with a solution. And if the solution that they thought was right doesn't yeah. work, that they move to something else, right? Absolutely. Um, one of the my favorite things to talk to our medical students at UMMC and uh, my former positions in dealing with medical students and residents is just that discomfort or comfort with uncertainty, right? Right. It's, it's, it's important to communicate that to patients. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, James. We are taking our last caller very quickly. Cynthia, do you have, you have about 50 seconds. Um, thanks for calling. I have- Men and colonostomy, do you have to be referred by a doctor to go get a colonostomy? And is there any other easier prep way to do it than what they prescribe? So in general, um, getting in to see a specialist to do the actual endoscopy procedure would be an endoscopist or a GI doctor um, who's a kind of internist. You would normally need a referral to them. Uh, for screening colonoscopy, yes. Uh, there are multiple ways to do the prep, and there are alternatives that are evidence-based and very effective for screening other than colonoscopy, although that is what we consider a gold standard for screening. There are fecal DNA tests and um, you know other stool-based studies that you can do to screen for cancer. So there are other ways to do that. And certainly the prep, 
there are there are multiple methodologies for the prep as well. Yeah, yeah. A great question, Cynthia, and Tess, that many of us need to make sure that we are getting done. All right. Well, thanks so much, Dr. Wardrop. Uh, It was great having you. I'm going to ask you back again. Thank you. And um, as always, Kevin, thanks so much for your help. Mm -hmm. Great contribution. Today's show was engineered and produced by Michelle McAdoo, and I think she was our call screener, too. Oh, no, Jason Klein. Gosh, our radio manager. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and I hope you'll join us next Tuesday at 11 for Relatively Speaking, and that you'll stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now, coming up next on MPB Think Radio. Body, body, body.